You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler with me. Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. We're gonna we're gonna we got an exciting episode this week, fellas. Uh, really, we have an exciting series to kick off. Uh, something that we did a couple years ago, and it spawned the DLF Podcast Listener League. We're gonna review some rookie drafts from the past. We're gonna go back five or six years, and really this week, gonna start in 2014 and work our way back back to the present. Uh, gives us an opportunity to talk about a lot of players. Uh, before we do any of that, though, let's bring in my uh, two co-hosts, Matt Price and Ryan McDowell. Guys, how are you doing? Doing well. Glad to be back. I missed you guys last week. But glad to be back with you all. I, I guess I we're glad <laughs> Ryan's back. Oh, damn. It was, we, we kind of had some room last week. Yeah, we kind of yeah. spread out a little bit. You know, uh, we're able to kind of lounge on the couch. Not Ryan's back. We got to make some. We got to make some room. But we always <laughs> welcome Mr. McDowell back, uh, back from a really long vacation, Ryan. But I, from from your Twitter feed and all our conversations, your your mind wasn't vacationing from the dynasty format. Uh, you were thinking about it plenty. Had some drafts or some auctions going on. Was uh, thinking up great new ideas for stuff on DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Uh, even though you're on vacation, your your mind doesn't waver too far. Oh yeah, for sure. Dynast Dynasty never stops. Uh, yeah, had had a couple of vacations and got to uh, got to meet some some football people uh, from from cool. Twitter. Some that I have met before, and some that were first timers for me. So that was. Uh, that was a great experience, and then went on the the family vacation to the beach just as SFBX kicked off. So, yeah, I was I was definitely focused on football, uh, even on uh, a couple of road yeah, trips. Yeah, SFB was a lot of fun, and I know a lot of podcasts out there are talking a lot about it. So should, we should quickly touch on it. How was your experience, Matt? Uh, it was good. I uh, mostly executed the strategy I wanted to. There were a couple of spots where you know value just wasn't there. Like I didn't get a third quarterback really, um, so that was a little bit disappointing. But uh, it was it was a good draft. A good group of guys. It had uh, a nice Twitter chats uh, in the one point six chat and the league chat, the Voltron league chat, uh, and that is a brutal division. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out of there. Uh, the, whoever does come out of there is probably going to be limping a little bit. <laughs> Ryan, how about you? You were you were one of the lucky ones to pull the top overall pick. Uh Christian McCaffrey's your guy. How to go beyond that? Uh yeah, my my division was tough too. I you know, I was tracking things on using ADP as the drafts went along and um saw some some of the other folks who had the 101 and just continuing to you know, to really get lucky and get some great values. Guys like Russell Wilson and and Kyler Murray falling to the two three cor- uh, turn and uh, that wow. that didn't happen yeah, in my draft. My league, my league was was a challenge. There were definitely no layups, but yeah, I, you know, I I like my team. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm just hopeful we we get to see what happens and and we actually play some football here. Yeah, that's the that's the big thing, the big pull away. Hopefully this all mattered and it actually counts and we see some football, as you said. Uh, let's get to the main topic of the podcast, fellas. As I said in the intro, we're flashing back to 2014. We're going to really do a mock draft and, and not really exactly like we did it a couple of years ago when we kicked off that podcast listener league. Instead, now we're going to actually get in the teleportation machine, go back to 2014, and draft these players with the knowledge of what they've done over the last six years. So there's a handful of players that were very productive early in their careers and and may not even be in the NFL anymore right now that'll probably get drafted in this two-round rookie draft from 2014. And, And just to remind our listeners... That was the Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, Eric Ebron, uh, Odell Beckham, That those top 12 guys. That was that, that draft. So as you hear these names rattled off, you'll, you'll probably remember back to who you chose in your favorite league's rookie draft and who you were banging the table for and, and going on Twitter and saying, this is my guy, I'm, I'm going to uh, die on this hill with a guy like Dante Moncrief or 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 maybe John Brown or Alan Hearns, somebody like that. Uh, that's the class we're going to be talking about. 
and you know really the the format was a hit a couple of years ago ryan and it it more than anything for the three of us it gives us an opportunity to talk about the past accomplishments of these guys as well as what what we expect going forward yeah absolutely and and it's a fun exercise um you know i've uh, I listen to the Bill Simmons podcast a lot. They do this uh, on that show, uh, mostly with the NBA. And, and it just, you know, it, it's it's just that hindsight perspective that uh, knowing what we know now, how would we expect things to, to look? And, uh, you know, you might think that's as simple as uh, whoever has scored the most fantasy points or whoever has had the most value over that time. But uh, just like with any draft, I think there are a lot of a lot of things to consider uh, when when making these picks and, and sorting through these players. So, Matt, we did this a couple of years ago, as I said, and, and really we were drafting going forward when we did this or when we did that um, more than two years ago. What 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 changes with those two philosophies, whether you're just looking forward and, and whether you're looking back back beyond I guess just the the simple fact that there's guys that 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 made an impact early in their career that are no longer even uh, even blips on our radar as dynasty owners going forward. Is there is there anything really that you took away while you started looking at these names? Um, I think I I learned that how much how much how difficult it is to be a consistent NFL player, especially at the wide receiver position. As we looked at these names and being able to see uh, you know players that just have. Well, I mean, I guess I'll just I'll just spoil it right now. The number one pick overall easily is Mike Evans, I think. And that's that's mostly because he's had six straight 1000 yard seasons. I mean, if you knew that you were going to get that out of your number one pick uh, in 2014, I, I, I find it hard that hard to believe that you would pass that up. Um, I think we had a little bit of discussion. You guys said it wasn't super obvious. I think it's I think it's pretty obvious. Also, only six games total missed in those seasons. So only one game average per year missed by Mike Evans. Four of his six seasons, they've had eight or more touchdowns. So I just think it's being able to value that consistency and looking at these players with that kind of hindsight that we have now and being able to see what they're going to do for us every year. Um, then I, I think I think Evans is the, the lock stock number one right there. Yeah, I, you know. We'll we'll get to the draft here in a minute. I'm glad you spoiled it because <laughs> I thought we were just going to go into before it. we before we started. Matt, I, I was pleading with Ryan. I actually have the second pick. I was pleading with Ryan. Hey, let me let me switch down. I'll I'll go down to three. That way, I get the get the turn and get the fourth guy because I I think there's a pretty obvious name at three and four. I actually wouldn't have taken Evans at number one overall, and and I'll get to my reasons here in a minute. Ryan, I want to hear your thoughts on this topic because we might as well jump right into it. Mike Evans goes number one. Is he is he the obvious guy for you? I wouldn't say he's obvious. Um, I, I don't know if you've even mentioned this yet, Dan, but we are we are going to use the superflex format here, and it it's sure. certainly was not a strong uh, a strong quarterback year. You had a couple of uh, a couple of players that near the top of the draft that are, are basically viewed as bust, uh, Blake Bortles included, even though uh, he had some productive years. Johnny Manziel, certainly uh, a, a big draft bust, and, and that, that's the last time you'll hear this, his name on, on this pod. Um, <laughs> so no, no major quarterback values that would um, you know lock themselves in at the top of the draft. I do think it would be a wide receiver. But I mean, it, it it's probably Evans or or I don't know the the top to me the top three receivers are all pretty close so I think you can make yeah. the case for any of them. Uh, Evans has had the most production. He's had he he scored the most career fantasy points from this class. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely don't think it's a bad pick. And if I had the first pick, I think I probably would have taken Evans as well. Uh, just kind of preparing for for this draft and looking at, at some of these things, uh, some things that have stood out to me is, is running back longevity, um, which is, you know, no surprise. There is none. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, (laughs) it's non-existent. Um, but you, you talk about some of these wide receiver names that you'll hear Mike Evans included. And, um, I don't know if we think of those players as still being young, but certainly in their prime and, and very valuable, uh, dynasty players still, um, you know, six or seven years into the league. And, and then you look at the running back position and it's, uh, it's just 
it's really ugly. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll draft some again. It's we're not drafting from the perspective of 2020 and beyond, but based on what we what we know about that player's career. So uh, we'll still draft <laughs> we'll still draft some of those running backs, but uh, it is it's kind of frustrating to see how long or, or how little time they actually last as as relevant assets and and then the last thing that stood out to me is uh, looking at the draft position the nfl draft position we've got james white who was drafted uh in middle of the fourth round 130th pick overall and other than some some undrafted free agents that that snuck through and and had pretty productive careers up until this point uh, James White is the is really the last relevant player. We're we're not going to be looking at any fifth, sixth, or seventh round players at all, uh, and and that's another thing that stood out to me. Yeah, that stood out to me as well, Ryan. While you were while you were looking over all these players that went in in the 2014 NFL draft, and and just quickly flashing back to then and our thoughts, uh, if you remember back, I think those of those listeners out there that are are thinking about this class, oh yeah, Mike Evans was in there, of course. Uh, Devontae Adams and Odell Beckham Jr. was actually Sammy Watkins that was the top drafted wide receiver in that class. And and really, the because he was picked fourth overall by the Bills, he instantly became that number one ADP uh, uh, prospect for dynasty owners as well. So just the trajectory of these players, how they've changed. You mentioned the running backs how they have dipped off and and we don't really have any expectations for any of the guys outside of just a couple names that we're going to draft today. Now take that information forward and and think about this class that we're thinking about for 2020, all these running backs that are going to go in the top four or five picks. Does that give you any pause before making that selection at 101 or 103 or 105? It certainly made me think twice about it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something you have to consider, but I, I also think it's it's basically an assumption that dynasty players are making at this point that uh, your your high level wide receivers are going to last uh, eight to ten to to maybe twelve years in the league, um, while the running backs are are, are really going to be that first contract, you know, four or five years max, and and that's what we're seeing from this group, and I'm it's also probably not fair to compare compare this current group of running backs to uh, Carlos Hyde and, and Jeremy Hill and uh, Bishop Sankey and that running back group that was uh, not viewed as, as necessarily being all that strong. Yeah. And it, it certainly wasn't a great class and it was a really a different time in the NFL. Those, those running backs, that was the beginning or, or the middle of that phase where everybody was talking about there wasn't, there wasn't longevity with running backs. It wasn't worth drafting them in the NFL draft, at least early. Uh, of course, things have changed since then. So, Matt, you mentioned Mike Evans, uh, number one pick. It was a good pick. I agree with both of you that there are three guys worth considering. So I'm, I'm really torn here at two between Odell Beckham Jr. and Devontae Adams. One, of course, has had that that season-winning type season that that can carry you to a championship and uh, finish as the number one overall player, the most uh, coveted player in, in dynasty leagues. That, of course, being Odell Beckham Jr. The other, Devontae Adams, who took a little bit more time to to warm up to the league and warm up to dynasty players. He changed hands for a lot of in a in a lot of dynasty leagues before he became the player that he is the consistent wide receiver one with so much, such a high floor because of that touchdown upside year in and year out. And really, if you project these players going forward, uh, which is also part of this game where we're trying to trying to look at what they've done in the past, as well as how they project going forward it makes it a difficult decision for me. I'm going to take Devonte Adams, and and while Odell Beckham Jr. had that had that great start to his career and really looked like the the guy to build around for any dynasty player, no matter your settings, at this point in his career, after a couple of down seasons, 
looking at Devontae Adams in the floor that I mentioned, the offense that he's in, the lack of other talented players around him, it just really feels like if you have to project over the next two seasons what the difference between Odell Beckham Jr. and Devontae Adams is, it's 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 outlandish. It's, it's really a landslide for Devontae Adams, in my opinion. So... Well, if I would have had the number one pick, I would have been making the same case between Evans and Devontae Adams. I think I'd have taken Adams number one overall. I don't like players that take time off when they're on the field, and that's Mike Evans. Man, Devontae Adams doesn't do it, and that touchdown upside is so great. Week-winning, season-winning kind of guy. I would have taken Devontae Adams number one, but it's close. Like I said, I think there. I think a case can be made for all three receivers: Evans, Beckham, and Adams. But I mean, maybe it comes down to how we're viewing the exercise. Because for me, it's it's totally hindsight, only looking at at what they've done so far. And you mentioned kind of projecting going forward. That didn't really play into it for me at all. I'm uh, I'm just thinking if we if we take what we know from 2014 through 20. 19 2020 and and we can go back to 2014 and redraft uh the entire draft again what would it look like and for me uh it it would be odell beckham over adams and and like i said maybe over evans i I thought it was obj or evans for the top spot uh you just look at what uh at what beckham's done he's he's the player from this class who was not only the the number one player at his position, the only player to do that, but also the number one overall player. He was the top player in our DLF ADP top overall player for well over a year, I I believe like a year and a half, which is a crazy run that, uh, you know, we'll see if, if anybody else can, can match that ever. But, um, he, he was the elite dynasty asset for, uh, for months upon months and and well over a year so, so and, and that happened because you look at his early production wide receiver eight as a rookie uh, even after that uh, that preseason injury that slowed him and and really hurt his value before he even stepped on the field still managed to win and only 11 games 12 right games, rather wide receiver eight wide receiver five wide receiver four and then dan you kind of got into um you know we say struggles but struggles uh, for for Odell include a wide receiver 15 season in 2018, a wide receiver 25 season last year, uh, and, and now a new coaching staff in Cleveland. Uh, I think there's there's a strong chance we're looking at him back in uh, among the the wide receiver ones, the top 12 wide receiver uh, producers uh, this year. So he's a, a really easy pick for me at the three spot. Um, and then, uh, the fourth option is uh, the fourth pick. So, so we'll snake this. So I'll get the third and the fourth pick, which is why Dan wanted to switch with me. Uh, I think this one's pretty easy too. I'm going to go with Allen Robinson, um, a a tier below the other three, uh, for me, I I wouldn't have considered him above uh, any of the three players that we've drafted so far, but, uh, do still like him over the, uh, certainly over the running backs and, and even over the quarterbacks that we've seen. And uh, Robinson started out his career strong as well. Um, <clears throat> wide receiver six overall season as a sophomore, a second-year player. And I think that was the year he had the, the 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns and, uh, and really ascended up dynasty ranks. You look at his his top value, he's he's – peaked at a an ADP of uh, 1.05, fifth overall player and, and the fourth wide receiver drafted. Uh, and then like Beckham, like some of these other players, he had some injury issues, uh, but really bounced back last year with a wide receiver eight finish. So um, he's, he's kind of already on his way back uh, despite kind of a frustrating Chicago Bears offense. I really like the Robinson pick. Of course, he was the 10th player drafted in Superflex leagues back in 2014. So so he's really added to his value. You mentioned the big season that he had while in Jacksonville. He's really recovered a lot of that value that he had back then. And, and while that, that offense and that coaching staff and everything happening in Chicago has, has maybe tampered the expectations going forward, it really feels, guys, 
like like he's the outlier. He's he's the one guy that dynasty owners are still willing to invest heavily in. They still want to build around Allen Robinson moving forward. So that puts me back on the clock at number five. Not quite as easy as a pick as Ryan just had at number four. There's there's a handful of of guys that I really grouped together. Um, back in 2014, the the number five pick was Odell Beckham Jr. According to ADP, and and things kind of got got messy after that. Got kind of murky. Uh, some of the names that fell after that: Jordan Matthews and Carlos Hyde, Kelvin Benjamin, and Dante Moncrief. Those aren't going to be considerations, obviously, today. Instead, I'm going to go to the guy that was that was selected, I guess, fourth overall. That was Brandon Cooks. And this is this is a little bit of a, a tough pick to make because while Ryan mentioned that that he he really thought this exercise was a good opportunity to look from 2014 till 20 through 2019, I see it as as trying to project what happens going forward. We're all playing dynasty. We're trying to trying to invest in these players for the long term. And while I appreciate what Cooks has done in the past, moving from team to team, being productive in all of those stops, in fact, being super productive, the the injury history and everything projected going forward, if this was a if this was a just a five year sample, I think there would be a case, Ryan, for, for Cooks to be considered with Allen Robinson and with the rest of that group that we just talked about. But because it's it's this this haze over his career and the the uncertainty of what's going to come because of the injury history he he slides into the next tier of players i picked him over other players that that maybe i'd rather own on some dynasty rosters some super flex rosters going right now but because cooks was a staple on playoff rosters helped people win championships frankly cooks is the fifth pick in this draft which leaves matt on the corner for two yeah, Cooks was definitely a consideration here. You know, again, four straight thousand-yard seasons for three different teams. Uh, that's 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 tough to do. We know that wide receivers usually struggle when they in the first season when they move to a new team, and that has not happened for Cooks despite changing uh, coaching staffs and 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 offensive schemes and all of that. So he's managed to to continue to produce, uh, and it's just these concussions that are slowing him down. Um, but that makes it pretty easy for me at six. It's Jarvis Landry. Just again, the the epitome of consistency never had a season with less than 80 81 catches has two seasons with a over 110 catches and another season with 90 plus catches so uh, whether it's Miami whether it's Cleveland whether it's uh, terrible quarterbacks whether it's Baker Mayfield, who we not, we're not sure if he's a terrible quarterback yet, um, whether he's playing against uh, alongside Odell Beckham uh, or, or if he's the only only show in town like he was in Miami. It just seems like he's consistently going to produce. You know, this hip injury, I think it is, is you know a little concerning going forward. But I'm again, I'm making this pick based on what he's done in the past. And if I knew I was going to get that many str- consistent years out of, out of Jarvis Landry uh, between 2014 and 2019, I think he would be hard to pass up, maybe even at the fifth pick here. Matt, the problem with Landry is while he's been that consistent and offered that floor, he he really never had that explosive type season that would that would catapult you to 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 think he was a number one wide receiver or top six or ten wide receiver, and then projecting him moving forward, you feel great with him as a wide receiver three on your roster, but anything beyond that, even it it because of his age and because he's been around for a little bit, it it really it doesn't get you make you feel real good if you're investing heavily in Jarvis Landry moving forward. I, I disagree a little bit because no, he's not going to be that. He's never going to be that stud wide receiver one. That's going to win you the title, but he is going to be that anchor for your wide receiver crew. And I, I would, I feel sure. comfortable with him as my wide receiver two for, you know, several more years. And he's not somebody, uh, you know, in fact, this, one of the reasons why the, the dynasty community continues to hate on Jarvis Landry is his, you know, quote unquote, lack of athleticism. So he's a guy who's getting by on his route running, being able to make uh, uh, plays near the, near the scrimmage line. That's where he was early in his career. And then, you know, last year he, had a, a 14.1 yards per reception number so he's shown that he can do it down the field too so I, th- I think that he's one of these players that just because of the style of his game is going to p- be able to play and, and 
consistently produce for us into his, you know, even into his early thirties. So don't uh, get me wrong. I, I like Jarvis Landry. I especially like him after the, the fall off in his ADP over the last couple of years, that investment is easy to make, but I, I just really feel like there's a lot of dynasty owners that are hesitant to, to jump back on board with Landry and, and probably for good reason. There, there's a happy medium for sure. You, you say wide receiver two. I'm happy with that. I feel really good about him as a wide receiver three and question if I'm a true contender with him as a wide receiver two moving forward, partially because of what Ryan said, the expectation of Odell Beckham Jr. making a bigger impact going forward. So the the first uh, six picks of our exercise here go Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, OBJ at three, then Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, and Jarvis Landry. Seems like it's a little bit wide receiver heavy, as Ryan mentioned earlier. <laughs> I wonder if we'll we'll dip into another position group. Matt, you're back on the clock at 107. Yeah, this is where I think it really, really kind of gets gets tough. Uh, there are several options here. All of them are you know pretty good. None of them are are super great. I would argue, um, but it is super flex. So I think you have to go to maybe at least crack the bubble on the, on the quarterback position here, especially not ha- getting to pick for another uh, uh, six picks or, or, or what have you. So, uh, man, they're just, none of them are really that attractive, but I think since we got early production out of, out of Derek Carr, I think I've got to go there over the other two um, obvious choices at quarterback. Uh, again, not super exciting, but uh, in the Scott Fishbowl, he's pretty exciting with his 70 plus percent completion percentage, uh, I guess. And, you know, there's a chance I think that he loses his job this year to Marcus Mariota they did bring him in and Mayock, Mayock has always been a, a Mariota guy so you know he, he definitely has somebody breathing down his neck but he's they brought in all these other weapons for him you know if they the, if the offense can be created enough to get guys like Henry Ruggs who I know you like Dan you know involved in, in, in short passes which is kind of where where Carr thrives then um you know, I think he has a chance to keep, if not keep the job here, at least continue to be a starter in the future. And if he doesn't work out with the Raiders after after 2020, uh, I think he's probably probably a starter somewhere else. But, you know, maybe he ends up in a, in a Jameis Winston type backup role waiting for his next chance. But I don't think that 2020 will be his last season as a starter. And because of that early production over, over the other couple of quarterbacks here, then uh, he's my choice as the seventh pick. I think maybe I'm starting to think, guys, we should have had a real solid conversation about how we each viewed this this draft because <laughs> I, I I would not have taken Carr here. In fact, he was he was down the list a few spots just because of that that leery feeling I have that you mentioned there, Matt. And maybe the two of you didn't didn't consider that before you before you made your list and, and started making these picks. Derek Carr is such a risky proposition moving moving forward. That, that I had Jimmy Garoppolo well ahead of him in, in my rankings, and it's not because of what he did early in his career and the, the lack of production because he was a backup to Tom Brady. It's because of him playing on a, on a really good team right now and, and them surrounding him with weapons. So if I'm going by my list, the, the landslide pick for me is Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I agree and with you going forward dan but like i don't think you can discount you know four years of him just clogging your roster you know if we're doing this from a hindsight analysis like how do you i mean he didn't he didn't do anything until until 2017 basically right i guess he flashed a tiny bit in the two games he played in uh in in 2016 but otherwise like i just don't like those are the players that i don't want Derek carr being a fringe quarterback one at his best when when he was considered an MVP candidate towards the end of the 2016 season, or I think it was, and and he's a fringe quarterback one at his very, very best. And moving beyond that, the other, the seasons that, that really surround that he, he has put regular low or high end quarterback two to, to middle of the quarterback two range finishes. That that's nothing to get excited about. And it really feels to me that when I look at Garoppolo and his upside, he can reach that over the next four years all by himself. He's already done that once. So to project that going forward and to f- still feel like Garoppolo has a higher upside than than the a quarterback 14 finish feels like Garoppolo is the better pick to me. But again, you know, we're probably looking at this from two different angles. I'm going to take Garoppolo at the 108. And I'm interested to see where you guys would have taken him, perhaps because you're you're looking at this from a past perspective more than I am. He slides into the second round, Ryan. 
I don't know where I would have taken him, honestly, but um, Carr was Carr was definitely my next pick. Um, agree with pretty much everything Matt said. I mean, you'd look at his, you know, Carr has kind of become, like he's kind of taken on that Andy Dalton, like a punchline role, which is not really fair when you look at his production. Uh, quarterback 14 uh, in his second year, quarterback 10 you mentioned, uh, and then and a few other mid QB two finishes, which again were in the super flex format is uh, is nothing to just throw away. He did reach a, an ADP high of QB three overall. He was our dynasty QB three in ADP uh, for at least one month, which is uh, was was a little surprising to to remind myself of. Uh, but Carr, yeah, Carr was definitely my next pick. I did not, I didn't really expect to be s- sniped on him. Thought he might fall to to this range, but uh, I like the pick by Matt. And and I mean, for what it's worth, Dan, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying as far as moving forward. But uh, my perspective on this is uh, is what we have seen over the past uh, what six years, I guess, six seasons. Where would you know? Would you have taken Carr and his uh, his QB two finish every single year? Or would you take Garoppolo and, and let him sit on your bench, as Matt said, or honestly sit on the waiver wire? I mean, he wasn't even sitting yeah. on benches. He he hit waiver wires uh, even in super flex leagues, uh, in, in a lot of them at least. So um, if I could flash back to 2014, I would, I would certainly prefer Carr in, in that case. Um, as far as my picks, I also agree with Matt that it, it gets pretty tough here. Uh, a lot of the, the, the shine, the excitement that we have at the top of the draft is, is gone even by the ninth pick here. I'm going to take a couple players that, uh, I don't really, don't really love, but they've had the production. Uh, I don't necessarily expect them to have it going forward, but there are very few players that that would be true of left. So uh, I'm going to start at the ninth pick and take Devonte Freeman. Um, Freeman, of course, gave us uh, an RB one overall season as a second year player in 2014, followed that up with an RB six season and then RB 14 in, uh, in 2017 before the wheels really fell off. And of course we know where he is now that, uh, having trouble even finding a job. We'll, we'll see if he can latch on with, with a team at some point. But again, if you tell me I can get two top six, uh, performances from him in back-to-back seasons, that would be a, a pretty easy pick to make, uh, with the ninth overall pick. And, and this is a guy who was going middle of the second round back in 2014. I considered him. He was the other 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 possibility other than Carr, and uh, really just because of Superflex. If it wasn't Superflex, obviously I think Freeman was the pick there. So I like that quite a bit. Dan's gonna hate. Dan, come on, hate on the future. Come on, Dan, hate on the future. No, he. I, I should have taken him at eight if we we're, were only considering <laughs> six years. I, I didn't know this was a six-year exercise. <laughs> I thought the future mattered in Dynasty. I, I guess we're we're doing a redraft episode of the pod well when you're in 2014 does does what happens in 20 in 2020 matter that much not not that much but but i i really honestly thought we were we were taking what we've learned to this point along with what we project moving forward and that makes jimmy garoppolo a far easier guy to take than than Derek carr in my opinion but freeman even considering his lack of of a future for dynasty owners is a solid pick at 109 uh to to lock up those three really really good seasons uh if you knew you were getting that and and looking back to 2014 when he was going in the middle of the second round uh that's a steal even at 109 to get that kind of production I'm really not going to like this next pick I have to make, but I'm going to go with Blake Bortles here. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, Blake Bortles at 10 overall. So uh, I, I talked about Carr being the punchline. Bortles is the ultimate punchline. Uh, he was drafted third overall in the NFL draft. Um, and then, you know, just basically produced really based on garbage time uh, throughout the early part of his career. But uh, QB4 in his second season, QB8 in his third season, 
QB 13 in his third season and uh, and then basically lost his job after that. So, um, but again, with the super flex format and three, uh, three productive years, I guess I'm going to take Blake Bortles. <laughs> We're going to go right past that. <laughs> 110. Uh, wow, that was a shocker. I didn't expect that. I, I expect to hear a running back's name there that isn't very exciting moving forward uh, to go with Bortles. And I get the, the logic, I guess, because he he did help. And, and what I think about when I think of Blake Bortles is him helping dynasty owners when it really mattered. You, you remember... Uh, I can't remember the year. I think his second season, he had kind of the break, the mini breakout season. And towards the end of that year, he was just rolling and he was carrying teams through the dynasty playoffs and, and really won uh, fantasy owners championships because of, of a huge week 16. So I guess even Bortles has a fond place in all of our hearts. Uh, a, certainly not the pick I expected from, from Mr. McDowell, Mr. Future. Uh, but again, that, that really wasn't uh, at the top of any of our minds, I guess, when, when we're coming up with this idea. I'm going to go back to the running back position for the 11th pick. I'm going to take a consistent guy, especially in those PPR leagues, and a guy that has put up big numbers at times. That's James White. Uh, did not have expectations coming into his NFL career. In fact, was known as a career college backup at Wisconsin, fell to the fourth round of the NFL draft. He was going in the fourth round of dynasty rookie drafts as well, but has far outlived that that draft capital. Although he was not very productive as a rookie, he was a fringe running back, uh, running back, three in his second season, a fringe running back two at coming in at 24 overall in his third season. Uh, and then also has a couple of, a, a couple of um, running back one and running back two seasons here in the most recent seasons, 2018 and 2019. So a guy that is not probably too exciting to put in your lineup every week because he does have a low floor uh, despite his catch, pass, pass, catch, Ooh, excuse me, pass catching prowess. He catches a lot of passes, but it seems to come in spurts. And there's times, of course, that that New England coaching staff just goes in a different way. So you, you run the risk of having that, that one catch for three yard and one carry for one yard game. But overall, James White has been productive. He's helped dynasty owners win. And that's what makes him the 11th pick in this draft, which puts Matt back on the clock at 12. Yeah, James White is a great pick there, uh, just you know you you said it all other than his rookie season you know he's caught at least 40 passes every season so uh very attractive there was hoping he would slip um but he didn't so i'm gonna go back to wide receiver and i think i think it's got to be john brown next uh started out pretty hot in his rookie season and and in his sophomore season and unfortunately uh 2016 and 2017 were basically robbed from him with the sickle cell trait uh, which which was exacerbated by that heat and uh, in Arizona, uh, and then 2018 moved to Baltimore again, showed some stuff, but didn't quite have, uh, you know, the, the team around him at that point wasn't quite set up for him to be super productive and then bounced all the way back. I would say, uh, from his early career last season in Buffalo, when I think he finishes like the wide receiver 18, something like that, mid teens, somewhere in there, uh, with a thousand yard season, um, uh, he's old <laughs> obviously. Uh, so if we're looking at future, uh, production, you know, it's a little bit dicey being 30 years old and also bring in uh, Stefan Diggs in, of course, this season to, to kind of play probably a similar, if not exactly the same role as he did last season. Uh, but that seems like a, like the best of, of, of what's left here. Um, so John Brown at uh, whatever pick we're on, the 13th pick. 13th He's pick? a yeah. first round pick here. First, second yeah. round, second, 2.0. <laughs> oh, oh, he is. He's 1.12. There we go. Um, so the th- with the 13th pick uh, – man <laughs> now now it's uh now it's now it's not now it's not great um i guess we man because because the guys that i want to take are the ones that you know i still have some uh 
some 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 future i think behind them but i think where we have to go maybe is go remember remember jeremy hill you guys remember he, he was going to be a thing so uh a oh. couple of uh a, a rookie season with over 1100 yards and nine touchdowns followed that up in his second year with uh, with an 11 touchdown uh, on the ground season uh and then a third season where he kind of fell off but still had the volume with over 200 carries um so and that's you know that's what we expect out of our running back these years three years is about what we think we're going to get him and if we get four or five where we feel pretty lucky in that regard if, if it's not a super special talent um, and I'm not sure we can argue that Jeremy Hill was that but he certainly had, was productive for his first three seasons in the league which is uh, you know again immediate production you want that uh, and some of these other guys left uh, they didn't really do anything and we're just going to be roster cloggers for us uh, for several years into their career so um, I think it's Jeremy Hill here at 13. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fine pick because you did get the production early in his career. He's uh, he's certainly certainly not going to help you moving forward. But you no. mentioned <laughs> mentioned all of that. Uh, you know, guys. You know, talking about these some of these players. It you, you mentioned Hill and and how a lot of our listeners are probably thinking Matt that oh yeah that was the Jeremy Hill class and i remember how excited i was after that 11 heart 100 yards and i traded for him in that league I, i'm wondering as we move on to the second round of this thing guys and we're starting to talk about some of these guys that that maybe don't matter to us anymore as dynasty owners if if any of this really registers moving forward and are, have we learned any lessons from this class Ryan i know i mentioned mentioned this a little bit to you in the intro but matt when you take a guy like that and his his early production and lack of production moving forward, does it does it make you pause or think twice about how you look at these rookie drafts moving forward? I you know I, it, I think it should, but I don't know if it really does for me because I, I still want the early production. That's how you get value out of these draft picks, and if. Unless it's just you know a, a first round round wide receiver, maybe you know, or maybe a second or third round wide receiver too, depending on the player, uh, you know, it, you're just not going to get that production year one, and that means their value is going to fall, right? So you get that production from running back early, especially if you're a contending team. Uh, that's that's what you that's what you want. You don't want to sit and wait on guys necessarily. Uh, so long term, obviously, it's it's not the move, but. Uh, you know, we, we like to have contending teams here. And when the other part of it is we know that rookie running backs are going to produce early, right? So you don't want to be chasing those fifth, sixth, seventh year running backs, maybe with guys like, uh, you know, Kamara and Barkley and, 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 uh, Christian McCaffrey, of course, maybe you could say that, but you know, most, for the most part, we get the best production from them early on. So I still think running back is probably the way to go. Uh, you know, at least in terms of a tiebreaker, if you're if you're really concerned about uh, a wide receiver not producing the first couple of years. So if it's a if it's equivalent talent at either position, I still kind of feel like running back's the way to go. Yeah, I, I think those are good thoughts and certainly something worth pondering. Uh, it's just making this whole exercise is making me really think twice about how I how I look at these drafts. And maybe that's why why we put it together and why we're doing it. I'm up at 202. We'll try to shoot through the rest of this second round before we get out of here, guys. I'm going to take Carlos Hyde. Uh, of course, the lack of production in his first two seasons where where he was playing second fiddle in that San Francisco backfield that put a damper on his chances of being a first round pick uh, uh, in this draft. He did come back in year three, 2016, with a running back one finish, high-end running back two finish following that. Um, gosh, you know, the guy's been all over the board. He's not, he, he's never been a guy you really felt good about depending on, never been a guy that you that you really wanted to, to focus on or trade for or anything like that. Um, of course, year five, he was he was off the radar completely. And then last year in Houston, he, he gained a little bit of value back. I guess those of us that picked him up on waiver wires and needed him, he was useful. So a couple of nice seasons. He had to wait a while. Seems like he fits in this range. Carlos Hyde is the 202, which put puts Ryan back on the clock for a couple of picks at 203 and 204. Yeah, a couple of players that... I uh, I was considering when I made that great Blake Bortles pick uh, are still around, <laughs> so uh, maybe maybe this is some kind of uh, of gift I've been given here. But uh, not not that these two are necessarily all that exciting either. I'm I'm going to take Eric Ebron uh, with my next pick, which is the 2.03, uh, another player who 
kind of gets a lot of hate and, and maybe deservedly so. 10th pick overall in that draft and never really lived up to expectations in Detroit. Although he, he, you know, he's kind of like, I guess he's the Blake Bortles of, of tight ends. He's just right there on the edge or, or maybe the Derek Carr right there on the edge of, of really being a productive player, a tight end 13, tight end 14, tight end 13, and then broke out that uh, that first year with the Colts, I believe it was, and, and gave us a tight end four finish. So again, if, if I'm drafting early in the second round and, and you tell me I can get that type of production, then that's that's okay. And that's just kind of what Eric Ebron is. He's just okay. Um, <laughs> the other pick, I'm, I'm going to go back to the quarterback position. I'll take Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, that stinks. Yeah. You're going to make me play. You're going to make me pick a player that I promised myself I'd never pick in any draft. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I'm, I can't wait to see that. But uh, with Bridgewater hasn't, hasn't had that production that we, uh, that we would necessarily want, even from a super flex uh, quarterback. Uh, I think his highest finish is quarterback 22. That was actually as a rookie and, of course, had that, that terrible injury that almost ended his career. Um, so kind of going back to Dan's theory, this is, I guess, a little bit of a pick based on the future and that uh, entering the 2020 season, Bridgewater does still have a little bit of upside to add to his, uh, to his profile. I was I was gonna I was gonna take I was I think I did I was talking about the player I was thinking about taking and entering the name that you selected in our document guys and I put Teddy Watkins I, that's what I <laughs> Teddy that's what Watkins I typed out. <laughs> Teddy Watkins Teddy Bridgewater is the pick at two o four I'm up at two o five I am not taking Mr Watkins though because I did promise myself I would never have him on any team. Ever again. So I'm assuming since we know uh, their production, since we're we're going in that time machine, we know when to start a player as well. What weeks they really went off. So that's going to make me take and the I believe the first undrafted free agent to go in this draft. I'm taking Cameron Bright because you just took Ebron Ryan, and while he has had some explosive weeks and some production, Cameron Brait has as well and is really overlooked, even though he did not finish as a top 100 tight end as a rookie. He, t- he finished as tight end 36 in year two, tight end seven in year three, tight end 10 in year four, and then tight end 19 in year five. So lots of useful weeks. I'm sure all of you remember as dynasty owners, the weeks that either Cameron Brait went off on your bench or he went off against you or on free agency and you picked him up the next week. Brait has had some production and he fits right here at the two Oh five ahead of Mr. Watkins. Okay. The board is getting pretty ugly. <laughs> it's getting yeah. bad. We need to roll through these. Uh, yeah. Jeez. Uh, okay. So the first pick here, I've gone several different ways but i think i think i'm I'm, set, I'm landing on jordan matthews someone who we thought was you know not necessarily me i wasn't a huge fan of him coming out uh for for a, for a few reasons but he did put up you know f- three straight uh 800 plus yard seasons to start his career which you know that in, in his rookie season 100 uh, 100 targets 67 catches 872 yards and eight touchdowns so started off really well and almost a thousand yards in his second season again 800 yards in his third season and we had, had some injuries uh kind of took over his career and, and kind of fell off from there so 2017 and beyond he has not been really usable and certainly it's not usable in 2020 but to start off with three straight you know wide receiver three-ish seasons uh not, not too bad there for for Jordan Matthews uh, and then yeah, fine I'll do it I'm gonna do it Dan I'm, just to save you I will take Sammy Watkins because uh, just because ha- remembering how fun it was to own him uh, as a rookie <laughs> have him on your team uh, you know had that huge second half of his rookie season uh, where he just kind of blew the doors off and then his second season a thousand yard season and nine touchdowns so uh, uh, and then you know we know the rest of the story after that uh, nothing is third year in Buffalo uh, a mediocre year at the Rams and then Kansas City we got excited about him again and I think the only thing we've been excited about since then is week one of the 2019 season. So uh, not excited about his future necessarily, but those first couple of years were sure fun. Yeah, I I get what you mean that it was fun to own him, Matt. Yeah, that is – there's some Sammy Watkins hate here. I mean, he he probably should have gone four or five picks higher. Probably. You know, he gave – No, I'll take Cameron Bray. (laughs) 
I will take him. <laughs> if, I, if I had Sammy Watkins today, offer me Cameron Braid. I'll take it. Uh, I'm up at <laughs> oh my the gosh. Two, 208. I'm going to take Isaiah Crowell, another blast from the past name that was relatively productive early in his career. He In his first four years, really really every year he finished as, as a like running back 31 to running back 35, with the exception of year three when he finished as a running back 14. So Crowell goes here at 2.08. Ryan, you got your last two picks. Yeah. Um, all right. I am going to take, uh, I'm going to take Martavis Bryant. Um, I think his best, uh, his best fantasy finish is actually a uh, wide receiver 40. Uh, of course he's bounced in and out of the league, uh, a, a couple of times. And, uh, I mean, at this point we, we have to assume he'll, he'll probably never be back in the league. He he was I mean he's hit some major value spikes though so if you had him on your roster hopefully you were able to cash out on that he got as high as twenty one overall he was a second round startup pick and the wide receiver fifteen at one point uh, even though he never came close to that production uh, so I'll take I'll take Martavis Bryant with my first pick and then with the second one I will go with uh, I'll go with another undrafted free agent Damian Williams. Uh, of course, we know really, really, really slow start to his career with Miami and then kind of came alive um, a, a couple months at a time for the Chiefs the past two years. Uh, so that will be, uh, yeah, that'll be my last pick in this exercise. I am not loving my options here at the 23rd overall pick. I'm going to take Kelvin Benjamin, though, and it's it's really because of that rookie season. You mentioned an ADP high for some of the guys that you've drafted, Ryan. Kelvin Benjamin got as high as wide receiver 13, so uh, or position high, yeah, wide receiver 13, which is awfully high, 23 overall. So he was a second-round startup pick at one point in his career, Man, if like you said earlier, if if you could have cashed out right then, uh, it was it was a good pick to to get him at the end of the second round. Matt, why don't you pick Mister Truly Irrelevant in this draft? <laughs> yeah, Kelvin Benjamin was fun. I I made a lot of money off of Kelvin Benjamin selling him his second year, uh, so that was going to be my pick here. And I'm torn between a couple of guys. Torn is is strong is is strong emotion. <laughs> it's maybe too much for this, but uh, I'm going to go with Willie Sneed because he's always always what kind of one of my favorites. Started out in New Orleans, uh, very promising, uh, hundred over hundred targets his first two season with breeze there and then after that you know kind of fell off a cliff uh 2018 had an okay season with baltimore and you know now he's kind of been eclipsed by all the young talent coming in there at this point uh but uh, a udfa somebody come in and get a couple hundred targets his first two seasons pretty good for for an undrafted guy yeah not too bad at all man guys i I didn't think there'd ever be another episode where we talked about Jeremy Hill and Kelvin Benjamin <laughs> and, and some of these other names that we mentioned, but we got through it. We got it done. Uh, and we're going to keep up the fun in the coming weeks. We're going to move on to the 2015 draft next week and, and go all the way through through 2019, I guess. So uh, we appreciate every one of you listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next week. <laughs>